Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Before, before we get into the word today, um, there's something that we get to do today and have the opportunity to do today that Bob and I are just so honored and excited um, for. McCain, come on up, son. I know you don't want to. Dude, we're not going to make you say anything. Bob, Bob might. I'm not going to make you say anything, but dude, I know that I know that being in the spotlight is your worst nightmare, and so I promise I'm going to keep this short. But would you hold that for a yes. sec? Yo, I just I, I've had just the honor uh, of spending time with this guy every Sunday um, downstairs at in our in our Bible study in our Sunday school class, and y'all, I just I love this guy, and he McCain is so special for everybody that knows him. And when I was praying about him yesterday, I just thought about the fact that the word of God says that the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And anybody who knows McCain knows that when you hear his words, you hear his heart. And it is a heart of radical wisdom, a heart of kindness and love that is out of control. If I told you some of the revelations that he has had and parables he said in in Sunday school, y'all would want his autograph. And so, McCain, I just want you to know you will always have a home here. I love you, and I'm proud of you. And, and Bob's just going to uh, say a little blessing and a little prayer, and then, then you can go hide. No, we're not. You're going to have to sing the national anthem right now. <laughs> y'all, I, I wish y'all had had the opportunity to get to know McCain personally like I have. I love this guy. Y'all, he is a superstar. He is kind-hearted, and he's cool. He's got, because he does what he believes he wants to do and what's right. He doesn't do what everybody else does. He does what McCain believes in and what he wants to do. And I I told his mom and daddy years ago, I said, to me, that's the definition of cool, is being cool in your own skin. And I mean that. You're the coolest guy I know. And uh, besides me, right? (laughs) And uh, anyway, we really do love you. And we're so proud of you. Your folks have done such a great job with you. And uh, I know Colin, we want to pray for him. This, he's graduating. This, he's, he's graduating this year. Yeah, yeah, isn't that awesome? And going to Troy. Yeah, go Trojans. And, uh, and so we want, you know, instead of just doing a ceremony, we wanted to do something like where all of us would join in in our prayer to bless you and that God's spirit would go with you as you move to the next season. And it's a real big deal. When we do that in faith, God really honors it. So something cool is going to happen this morning supernaturally in your life, okay? So, Colin, you want to start? You want me to start? Lord, we, we love McCain Bergeron. We really do. He is such a cool guy. God, thank you for him being here in our midst and for how... I, I've personally seen him grow in his faith, and uh, he is solid as a rock. He really is. God, he's about to in, embark on a new season in his life at Troy, and we ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to come on him in a new way with additional wisdom and uh, discernment and everything he's going to need. Uh, to walk the way and the path that you've made out for him. Jesus, you're the way. You tell us you're the way, the truth, and the life. And so we declare over uh, McCain this morning, Lord, that you will show him the way. And that includes what he's going to do in a major and you know what he's going to do socially and all those things, that you are the way maker. And so we just thank you for doing that for him, and we ask that you surround him uh, with your angels and protect him on this journey. And, and bless him, bless him, bless him. And we ask that your favor rest on him. All right, and I'm going to say amen. amen. 
And yeah, God, we just thank you for every step of the journey, Lord, has been ordained for him. And Father, I just thank you right now for surrounding him with teachers, friends, everyone God sent by you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that he will, God, be in a place where he can prosper and flourish. Thank you for your hand upon his life, and we just thank you for him. Thank you for the blessing he's been to us, and we just thank you, God, for the blessing that he'll be in Troy and in every place he goes in his entire, his entire life. In Jesus' name, amen. Yo, I have not been this scared for a sermon in a long time. Um, so let me, let, me, let, me, let me pray real quick. God, I thank you for your spirit here. And Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. Thank you that because of that, it isn't about me. Let me decrease and may your spirit increase in this place in the name of Jesus Christ. Your word says that your kingdom is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. I can talk, but you're the one with the power. And that's why we came here this morning. We didn't come here this morning to hear a fancy sermon or anything like that. We came here to have an experience and an encounter with you. And so, th so Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. Have your way. Have your way, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bible, um, turn with me to uh, John chapter 2. That's where we'll, our foundational text for today will will be and where we'll get started. And where we're going to be today is a story that uh, many of you know, and, uh, and hopefully I pray that we'll have a new encounter and a new experience with it this morning. And I'll be starting off um, in the New King James Version, and then I'll actually be flipping over to the NIV. So follow along with me. We'll be reading verses uh, 1 through 11, again, John chapter 2. And when you're there with me, I know y'all are going to talk to me this morning, right? Say amen when you're there. Amen. All right, thank you. Amen. All right, the word says that on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. That's a lot. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Yo, I'd like to, to preach and spend a little time this morning speaking on the topic, a mother's faith. Now, the word tells us here in verse 11 that this miracle that happened at the wedding at Cana of Galilee was the first sign through which he revealed his glory. Y'all, this was the first public miracle of Jesus' entire ministry. Happened right here at this wedding in Cana. If you look closely at, the, at, the, at John, what you see is that he had actually only been baptized a few days before this happened. In the two days prior, he had called his first disciples. Jesus had literally like just started his public ministry three days before. And he had not yet performed a miracle, a sign, or a wonder publicly in his ministry. 
Now, you might be wondering the same thing that, that I wondered. What a strange place for Jesus to choose to do his first public miracle. And what a weird miracle for him to choose. Because what was the miracle? The miracle was that a bunch of drunk people at the wedding, who the, the word tells us had had too much to drink, wanted more wine, and to cover and protect the, the integrity or the reputation of the person who was hosting, water got turned into wine. What a bizarre and strange miracle. I mean, I don't know about you. Maybe, I, maybe, I've, maybe it's like my weird Catholic background. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But for some reason, I thought that Jesus' first miracle would be like him standing on the side of a mountain praying for the sick and them getting healed, or him going and finding somebody who needed deliverance and praying the demon out of that person. But no, it happened here. But can I tell you a secret? Jesus didn't necessarily plan for it to be that way. Look at his reaction in verse in verse 4, Jesus said, when his mom came to him and asked him uh, and said they have no wine, he said, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, just to nip this in the bud, for those of you listening online, when he says woman, that's not a derogatory term. That was like them saying ma'am, so that does not give you permission to say things like that and claim that it's Jesus. But look at, what he, look at what he said. He said, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? In other words, he said the same thing that we might have said. Why in the world would the son of God do his first public miracle by turning water into wine for, for people at a wedding? He said the same thing. What does it have to do with me? But look at his, look at his second statement. He said, my hour has not yet come. The way that we might say that is, I'm not ready for this yet. Jesus, for whatever reason, and, and who knows why, okay? Now, I was thinking about and playing around with why. It's not like the Holy Spirit said to me, this is why Jesus was, said it's not my time. But let's think about it. He's at, a, he's at a wedding. He's only been baptized for three days before. Three days after he gets baptized, you can imagine he's like, I don't want people to know publicly yet about the miracle signs and wonders that I'm going to do for the next three and a half years. Or you might wonder, he had just called his first two disciples in the past two days, and the word of God says, who was there at the wedding? Who was there? His disciples were there. And so if he just called them and they just started following him, and the first miracle that they see him perform is turning water into wine at a wedding... Maybe he wondered, what will they think about me? But for whatever reason, Jesus said to her, my time has not yet come. In other words, this miracle has nothing to do with me. Your problem has nothing to do with me. And I'm not ready to do it anyways. But how many people know that a mother knows their child. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the, the relationship between a mother and a child is unique. And I'm not here to bash fathers, okay? Bob, if you want me to ask me to preach on Father's Day, I can do that. But that's not what I'm doing here today, okay? Because, because the Word of God, well, excuse me, not the Word of God, but scientists tell us that a baby inside of their mother's womb can recognize a father's voice before birth. And so I'm not bashing fathers today, okay? I love y'all, all right? Okay? But the relation, what I'm trying to say is that the relationship between a mother and a child is unique and ridiculously blessed. The reason for that is that each person here in this room, each person listening online, each person everywhere on this earth has one biological mother. 
Each person here spent the first about nine or so months of their lives, every second on this earth you spent with one person, which was our mothers. As I was doing research about this, this Cody, this isn't stuff I know off the top of my head, okay? I found out some, some things that scientists have found out about the relationship between a mother and a child. What I found is that sometimes studies have come out that say that sometimes a child's heartbeat synchronizes with the heartbeat of the mother and that that can happen. I also found out that a study came out that they took three-month-year-old babies and they placed the baby directly across from the mother and the mother made they looked in each other's eyes and when they did that their heartbeats started becoming more like the other one in other words if the mom's heartbeat was faster than the baby's heartbeat the mom's heartbeat started slowing down and the baby's heartbeat started quickening up that's why like if we if we think about they think that's why this crazy crazy stuff about how when a baby can be crying and then see a mama and it can change in a second it's because somehow there is a supernatural blessing and anointing on the mother-child relationship. It's just the way God created it. And I'm sure that I, I see some of you nodding. I'm sure some of you know and have experienced that either as a mother or as a child. My mom, and, and mom, I didn't ask you permission to, to share this story, so I love you, and I know you're in Boston. Thank God. Okay, amen. But when, 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 when I was in my mom's womb, I'm the youngest of three children, and my, my brother was about nine years old at that time, and my sister was about two. You can imagine the house was complete and utter chaos, okay? My mom, this is Boston now, Robert, okay? So you can praise God for Selma. I'll do it with you. My mom got trapped in downtown Boston in the middle of a nor'easter snowstorm. Feet of snow. And she tried calling my dad to come pick her up, but one of my siblings had knocked the phone off the cord and there was only one line at the time, so the phone just didn't work. It was a busy signal. And so my mom had to take a train all the way into the suburbs where we lived and then walk in this snowstorm, pregnant with me, for about two miles to get home. Now my mom did not experience that alone. I was with her. I experienced that with her. But that I'm trying to say is that the relationship, we experience things with our moms that we never experienced with anybody else. But I'm also trying to say that it's not just three months afterwards that that connection between mother and child can get lost. Sometimes by some special grace of God, the mother-child relationship can remain unique for years. When I was 18 years old, what's up, McCain? When I was 18 years old, I was at a high school of 2,400 people. Okay, the public high school where I was was huge, 2,400 people. I thought that I wanted to go to a college that was about the same size. Every college I applied to was the same exact size, about 2,400 people, except for one. Do you know who recommended I apply to that college? My mom. She knew that if she pulled me aside and said, you're not supposed to go there, you're supposed to go here, that I would have called her every name in the book and gone to one of the other ones despite her. But she knew me. And so because she knew me, she started encouraging me in a loving, gentle way until the point that I realized I came to think that it was my decision to go to the college that she really thought would be best for me, and it was the best for me. I've said many times that if I hadn't gone to that college, I might not be here, I might never have met a single one of you, and I might never have set foot in Selma my entire life. My mom knew where I would thrive, and it's changed my entire life. A mother can know a child. And let me tell you a secret. Mary knew Jesus. Because the same way that, they, that we go through stuff with our mothers, Mary and Jesus had been through a lot of stuff. Mary had been there, whoo, Mary had been there when she was visited by the angel. 
And what had the angel said? The angel had said this in, in Luke chapter 1. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. His kingdom will never end. Mary knew who Jesus was before Jesus even was conceived in her, in her, in her, in her womb. And when Joseph and Mary went to dedicate Jesus at the temple, what happened? Two radical prophets who knew the word of God and everyone knew could prophesy ran out of the way to go up to them and proclaim the prophetic word over Jesus' life and to confirm the promise. Can you imagine what Mary and Joseph's faces looked like? They're like, you know, we, 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 we already know this is a miracle, but now it's confirmed by two prophets in Jerusalem. When Jesus was age of 12, they went to Jerusalem, and Mary and Joseph left without him and left him back, back there. For three days, left him alone in Jerusalem by himself at the age of 12. When they came back, where did they find him? They didn't find him at the arcade. They didn't find him at Dave and Buster's. They found him in the temple speaking and, and not only learning from, but teaching scripture to the teachers. And it says that they were completely amazed. Can you imagine finding your 12-year-old in the church teaching the pastors? What am I trying, what are you trying to say, pastor? What I'm trying to say is that Mary knew who Jesus was. And that's, what it, the, that's what's in the Bible. Can you imagine what 30 years of that life was like? For 30 years, they lived together. Mary knew Jesus. And Mary wanted a miracle to happen at this wedding. Jesus said no. I wonder if you're catching on to where we're going here. And Mary knew exactly how to speak to Jesus. In verse 5, it says, Jesus, let's read verse 4 and 5 so you can see this in context. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Next verse, his mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. <laughs> Mary knew that there was something Jesus could never say no to. And it is an act of radical faith. Now, I know what, you're, I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking... Preacher, how is this an act of radical faith? Well, I'm not only a preacher, I'm also a teacher. Give me one second. Let's think about this. Mary did not doubt or hesitate for a second according to the word of God. She did not turn to Jesus and start trying to argue with him that he needed to do the miracle or start explaining to him why he needed to do the miracle. She didn't start questioning, oh, you know, is this, a, is this an appropriate place for my son to start his public ministry? She moved forward with radical boldness and spoke directly to the people and commanded them, whatever he says to you, do it. The word of God says that whatever we ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be done for you. Mary knew when she said this, she commanded the servants, she knew that Jesus could do the miracle. Because she knew his power. 
she knew had been living with Jesus forever, had seen the anointing from the early on in his, in his start, right from the start of his life. She knew who he was. She did not doubt his power and ability to perform this miracle. I was thinking when Jesus teaches about prayer in Luke chapter 11, he uses a parable um, about a man knocking on a neighbor's door at midnight, asking for bread. And in, in verse 11, in chapter 11 of Luke, verse 8, it says that because of that person's shameless audacity, the person would rise up and give him whatever he needed. Y'all, Jesus could have, instead of using a parable, he could have used the story from what Mary did at the wedding in Cana. If you want an example of shameless audacity, this is shameless audacity. No doubt in the power of God, and no doubt that God not only can do it, but that he will do it. Not only did she have no doubt in her heart about God's power, not only did she have no doubt about the fact that Jesus would respond to faith, but let me highlight the word in this sentence that makes it the most radical of anything. She said, whatever he says to you, do it. Sometimes as Christians, we can make boundaries and limitations and restrictions on how God moves. Sometimes we say that person could have received their healing if, uh, if they had only done X, Y, or Z. Oh, that person would have received the, the, the giftings of the Holy Spirit if only they had done blank. What Mary said was whatever he says. This is not only radical faith, but radical obedience. She said, not only will he do it, not only can he do it, not only will he do it, but do whatever he asks you to do. You might think about, uh, for instance, the, uh, the, the guy who visited Elijah looking for healing and expected to get ministered to by Elijah. Instead, Elijah sent out a servant and said, go dunk yourself in the Jordan River, and he freaked out. He had an, a, a, an idea of what his healing was going to require, and God said something different. And he almost missed his healing because of he had a, a restriction on what it would look like. Mary had none. What she was saying is if, if Jesus told you to take that bucket of water and dump it on my head, do it in front of all these people. She had no restrictions on what God was going to require to perform this miracle. Do we have restrictions when we ask God for a miracle, do we, ask for, do we have a restriction on what he can do to achieve it? You talk about shameless audacity. This, ladies and gentlemen, is shameless audacity. God, right now in the name of Jesus, remove every restriction and boundary and limitation that exists in this place in the name of Jesus Christ, in my heart and in the hearts of everyone listening, remove them right now in the name of Jesus Christ. You can move however you want to move. You can do whatever you want to do in the name of Jesus. Amen. When I was thinking about it, I mean, let's think about it and let's not lose the context of how radical this is. Let's speak it frankly. Jesus did not want to perform this miracle, and he did it. Why did he do it? Because of Mary's radical act of faith. 
when I was praying about and preparing this sermon, I thought about how this was the complete opposite experience of something that happened later in Jesus' ministry. We read in Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 6, the same story. Jesus returned to his hometown. And when he did, we find in Matthew chapter 13, verse 58, the word says that he did not do many miracles there. Why? Because of their lack of faith. I'll read that again. He did not do many miracles there. Why? Because of their lack of faith. Y'all, faith and miracles go hand in hand. Faith doesn't start in our church. It doesn't start in our city. It starts right here in each of our hearts. If all of us right now in the name of Jesus Christ increase in faith, the faith of our congregation increases. And if we do that, the faith of our entire city increases. But look at what, this is why I, you, you got to love reading the Bible in multiple versions because you learn stuff. You learn stuff. Remember, Matthew chapter 13, verse 58 said, he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Mark says it a little bit differently. Mark chapter 6, verse 5 says, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. I'm going to read it again and see if you caught on to what I saw. He could not do, many, do any miracles there. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. What you might notice is that Matthew said he did not do many miracles. And Mark said what? He could not do many miracles. Jesus wanted to do miracles in his hometown. He wanted everyone who was sick to be healed. He wanted everyone who was uh, 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 possessed or afflicted by demons to be delivered. He wanted everyone who needed salvation to receive salvation. But he couldn't do it. Lane, I know that's comforting. Jesus couldn't do it. Even Jesus couldn't work the miracles. Why couldn't he work the miracles? Lack of faith. Both Mark and Matthew confirmed the same thing. It was because of a lack of faith, Jesus wanted to do miracles and couldn't. Now, I wonder if you're, if you're seeing the parallelism here and the, the, the complete opposite and the, contra, the contradiction here. In one instance, you have Jesus saying, I don't want to do a miracle and doing it because of a radical act of faith. On the other hand, you have Jesus saying, I want to do miracles, but he couldn't because of a lack of faith. It happens in our hearts. It happens right here. Whatever miracles we are hoping for and have been hoping for, Jesus cannot say no to radical faith. He just won't do it. He won't say no to radical faith. But where there is a lack of faith, even if Jesus wants to perform miracles, he sometimes is not able to perform those miracles. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting a limitation on Jesus. Jesus can work miracles when there is no lack of faith. And there are many examples of that. But faith is like putting butter on a pan before you cook something. It alleviates the process. It helps the process, helps you cook, and it makes it way better. And so what I'm trying to say is that if we have radical faith, we will have more miracles. If we have no faith, can I tell you a secret? We might still see miracles. But if we have radical faith, there are no if, and, ors, or buts, we will see miracles. 
And can I tell you a secret? We are. <laughs> but I want more faith. I want more faith. And so there are two things that, that I'd like to do, and I, they're both important, and I'm going to put them aside both, and we're going to do one and then the other. The first is that this story is important because Mary knew Jesus because of this unique bond between mother and child. We would not have this testimony, we would not have this story without a mother filled with faith. And so the first thing that I want to do is that I have it in my heart to just anoint and bless every mother in the house. When I say mother, I mean that term broadly. There are many people who have never given birth who are called mother by somebody who are mothering people, who are mothering children, who are mothering anybody. And so there are no limitations on who can come up to receive this blessing. If you are called mother by somebody, come up. And for some of you, it might also be a prophetic act. So talk with the Holy Spirit. Talk with the Holy Spirit. If we can line up right here in this aisle, I'm going to grab my oil and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to anoint you as you come up. And if you would stay along the front, I'm going to pray over all of you after I've anointed you. Stand and so one more time, if after you're anointed, if you can stay at the altar so that I can pray for you. For those of you that are online, if there's somebody around you, if somebody is with someone, put your hand on that person. And if you're by yourself, lay your hand on your own heart. 
receive this. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your presence here, Father. And right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for each mother that is in front of me right now and that is listening to this place, that is listening to these words. Holy Spirit, fall amongst this group. Touch hearts right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for an outbreak of radical faith in this group. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, in my role as a, as a, as a son and as a brother, I bless them to prosper in all things and be in health as their souls prosper. I pray with the authority given to me that God, every chain and bond be broken right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We release them to be free. We release them to do and be exactly who you have created for them to be. From this group, God, I know that they will go forth to lay hands on the sick and see healings. They'll go forth, Lord, to, to, to give someone a hug and that person will be delivered from things right then and there. Father, we thank you for the power and the authority in each of them. These are strong. This is the symbol of strength in our society. Father, I bless them to be surrounded with people who love them. I bless them in the name of Jesus Christ to be surrounded with friends and colleagues that love them and support them. I bless them to have God sent friends in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, it doesn't matter from the youngest to the oldest. Thank you for what you have in store for them. For the prosperity and the flesh and the, and the, and the flourishing God. Even right now, your joy is spreading over this group. You have heard every tear, God, and right now in the name of Jesus Christ, you are replacing every broken and hurt, hurt place with joy and with peace. We love this group, God. We thank you for that. And with everything inside of us, oh God, we shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing us with them. We are so blessed because they are a blessing. They are blessed. They are not cursed. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray from this point forward that they, when they leave this place, they will feel full, they will feel empowered, and they will feel your love like they've never felt before. And God, I pray that just like Mary, they will be people of radical faith. I pray that every relationship in their lives may be restored. Work those miracles for them, God. Work those miracles for them, God. We say that prayer in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen and amen and amen. And y'all, anybody in the congregation who would like to come join them to receive an impartation of radical faith, Anyone in this place who wants an increase of faith, an impartation of radical faith, I invite you to come up to the altar. I want to pray for you. Anyone who wants an impartation of radical faith, come up front. Do this act of faith and God will respond to it. Anybody in this congregation who wants radical faith imparted, come up front. I want to lay hands on you and I want to pray for you. For faith to boil up inside of you. Male, female, young or old. I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to pray. Jesus, thank you for your presence here. Jesus, we want to be known as men and women of radical faith. There are no gender limitations on radical faith, God. And so I thank you right now for stirring us up every limitation, every boundary, removing it in Jesus' name.
And I pray the fire of God to pour out in this place in the name of Jesus Christ.
know, there's no reason to leave and run from this place. You can feel free to stay in the sanctuary as long as you want. Sunday schools are happening downstairs. But if you can put out your hands, I just want to bless you as you leave. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and may he be gracious unto you. May he turn his face toward you and may he grant you peace. And as you leave from this place, may you find your heart filled with joy, filled with peace. Every anxious thought has been eliminated in the name of Jesus Christ. Sleepless nights are behind you. As you leave from this place, you have left things behind and God has taken them from you. You are free to go forth and dance and sing and praise Jesus. In Jesus' name. And if there's anyone who needs prayer for anything, please come up. We love you. God bless. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.